the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Tuesday, the 6th morning of the 8th month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Really, thank you for being with us. Really great conversation that you heard all morning long from Hugh Hewitt. Hugh and I are going to disagree on some things today. Um, respectfully, of course. Hugh has uh, joined the President's call for red flag laws. Hugh and the president have joined Lindsey Graham in that effort to call for red flag laws. And um, we've got an issue. We've got an issue that's, uh, that very ser- simply and seriously needs to be discussed because we cannot, repeat, cannot restrict people's personal constitutional rights and liberties based upon an allegation made by somebody who may or may not be being factual or truthful in reporting someone else's instability when it comes to owning a firearm. It is really just that simple. I had a friend yesterday who's an attorney who tweeted really, really harsh comments at my friend Hugh Hewitt, uh, calling him names and saying that uh, his call for red flag laws is is terrible. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, stop. There is something to this. There has to be some merit to this. One thing that we all agree on when we talk about mass shootings is that we have to find a way to get lunatics, psychotic people, mentally deranged people, we have to find a way uh, to keep uh, guns out of their hands. We've all agreed on that, right? While the left calls for sweeping gun control legislation, which would inhibit, again, uh, the constitutional Second Amendment rights of all Americans, or the vast majority of Americans, the right has said, no, we don't want to do that. We cannot have massive sweeping gun control or gun registries or gun confiscations for just those reasons. But we do have to find a way to keep the guns out of the hands of the nut jobs. 
Because at the end of the day, what we need to be about here from this point forward is prevention, not reaction. We have to be proactive in stopping the next shooting or shootings. Of course, this is not possible. Absolutely not possible to do fully and completely. We will never stop mass shootings in this country. Can we significantly reduce their frequency and occurrence? That's the hope. That's, that's the hope. And the one way we need to do that, or we think about doing that, is not by taking guns out of the hands of the law-abiding, sane, rational, decent population, which makes up 90% of us, but we have to try to find a way to keep the, the guns out of the essentially criminally insane. So how do we keep them out? Well, my friend David, uh, Twitter friend and a follower, uh, was, was yelling at Hugh Hewitt about this, saying you can't do that. But Hugh, I think his heart and his head are in the right place. So is the president. The president is in the right place here, too. But the problem is, how do we get to that place without violating the due process of everyone else? The president yesterday, and I've got a lot of audio from the president's uh, uh, remarks yesterday. It's about eight minutes long, and I broke it down into a few pieces that I want to share with you. This is the first hint that the president gave yesterday about his support for uh, so-called red flag laws. First, we must do a better job of identifying and acting on early warning signs. I am directing the Department of Justice to work in partnership with local, state, and federal agencies, as well as social media companies to develop tools that can detect mass shooters before they strike. As an example, the monster in the Parkland High School in Florida had many red flags against him, and yet nobody took decisive action. Nobody did anything. So Why not? So that was the president's first hint, uh, saying there were red flags. He used that terminology. There were red flags flying over the Parkland shooter, and nobody did anything to stop it. So therefore, we need red flag laws a point he made much more clear later in his remarks yesterday. We must make sure that those judged to pose a grave risk to public safety do not have access to firearms, and that if they do, those firearms can be taken through rapid due process. That is why I have called for red flag laws, also known as extreme risk protection orders. Extreme risk protection orders this is where we are at a problem three words jump out at me from that from that soundbite uh from the president's speech yesterday those three words are rapid due process what is rapid due process how does that work how can we trust and mind you i'm trying to explore this from all angles from the president's angle, from Lindsey Graham, who sides with the president, Hugh, my friend, all of whom say we have to do this, and from the how do we stop this process from being bastardized by quote-unquote family and friends and others who call to report somebody as being unstable and they shouldn't have a gun. you got to come and take their guns. How do we, how do we allow that to happen and yet have due process actually exist? What is rapid due process? Not sure I understand that phrasing by the president. So we all agree 
that we should. The first part of that statement, let's hear that again. We must make sure that those judged to pose a grave risk to public safety do not have access to firearms. We, we must make sure that those judged to pose a grave threat to society not have access to firearms. Key word in that part of the statement is judged. Who is doing the judging? Who is judging that this individual is a grave threat? Are we judging based on just anecdotal evidence and, uh, you know, something of, of uh, a very benign nature? I've talked about this before. A man's wife leaves him for the local bowling instructor. He's heartbroken. He's depressed. He goes and sees a therapist, counselor, psychologist, whatever, to talk about his depression. Is that enough to, quote-unquote, judge him to be a risk and thus a reason to not allow him to exercise his constitutionally protected Second Amendment rights? Who's going to be the judge? How do we enact, what did the president call it again? And that if they do, those firearms can be taken through rapid due process. Rapid due process. I don't know what rapid due process looks like. So we have a serious conundrum here, folks, do we not? We have a serious conundrum. As it pertains to guns being in the hands of lunatics, we should strive to keep them out of the hands of lunatics. We should do what we can to deny uh, access to firearms to people who are criminally insane. But how do we do it without violating the rights of everybody else who is not criminally insane? Not psychotic and consumed and filled with hate. How do we do that? I think we would all agree that the vast majority of the mass shooters, if not each and every one of them, 100% of them that we have talked about in recent years, and I don't mean just in the Trump years, unlike the mainstream media, I'm old enough to remember mass shootings taking place in the Obama years. A couple dozen of them. I'm old enough to remember mass shootings taking place during the Bush years and the Clinton years. Columbine ring a bell? I'm also old enough to know that nobody in the mainstream media or the social media, because it didn't exist in the 90s, nobody blamed the president for those things. But they do in the age of Trump. But I would dare say that 100% of the mass shooters in each of the, you know, of the last few decades, um, the individuals exhibited enough horrific be Well, let me rephrase. I, I don't want to say that. I'm going to backtrack on that because I don't know that that's true. That's where due process comes in. I was about to say exhibited enough um, dangerous behavior that they should have been denied firearms, but that's a hindsight story. Hindsight is 2020. Maybe some people knew how insane Adam Lanza was. He was. In fact, his mother was going to involuntarily commit him to a facility because of his psychological disorders. That's why, when he found out, he stole her guns and killed her with them before going to Sandy Hook and that elementary school. So... Do we want to do everything we can to keep the guns out of the hands of the criminally insane and the psychotic and the, the, the high school students who are suspended from school for putting a hit list together and posting it on the bathroom wall of the people he wanted to kill? 
and putting a rape list on the bathroom wall of the girls that he wanted to sexually assault and rape? Does that kind of person sound like somebody who would be a perfect candidate for a red, uh, red flag law? He does. That's Connor Betts. That's the shooter in Dayton. And that's what he did just a few short years ago. But that information never made it to law enforcement. That information never was, was, uh, was information that was going to stop him from getting a gun and doing what he did. So we've got a conundrum. I think we can all agree. Second Amendment supporters and gun control advocates can all agree. The one thing we should desire is to keep the guns out of the hands of the mentally impaired. Our conundrum, though, is how do we do that? without violating the constitutionally protected rights of those of us who are of sound mind and body. I want to hear from you at 216-901-0945, This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Really, really interesting uh, op-ed that I read this morning on the Hill of all places. The Hill dot com, the Hill uh, uh, newspaper is a or news magazine is a is a pretty left-wing organization in D.C. But occasionally they do allow people to uh, to contribute op-eds that don't go along with their uh, ideology, and uh, and this is one of them: uh, red flag laws and their awful consequences. And this is something, again, that we have to discuss since the President of the United States has called for the implementation of red flag laws to try to stop mass shootings before they happen, stop guns from getting in the hands of bad guys with bad intentions with, obviously, mental issues. The constitutional guarantee of due process is the most commonly cited concern in the implementation of red flag laws. Most of these laws reflect reflect a view of due process shown by President Trump in 2018 when he quipped, take the guns first, go through due process second. The problem here is the first word of due process. Legal process is due before the government takes someone's life, liberty, or property, not after. In 2018, five states had laws that fit the bill of a typical red flag law. With Hawaii's governor signing Act 150 in early July, that number has risen to 17 states and the District of Columbia. Nearly all GVROs provide uh, provide for the removal of a person's firearms without ever giving them notice. In many of these schemes, including California's confiscation order, may be issued against someone completely unaware of the accusations underlying the order. First learning of the petition when the police arrive to seize their firearms. That's of great concern to me. And again, I I started my show by talking about a message that I got uh, on Twitter yesterday from my friend Dave, who uh, took Hugh Hewitt to task pretty harshly, I felt, for supporting uh, red flag laws. And I said, I kind of agree with the red flag laws. But what I, of course, need to clarify is I don't necessarily agree with red flag laws that rob people of due process. I just agree, I think, as everyone does, that we have to find a way to keep the guns out of the hands of the criminally uh, insane and the very dangerous. Uh, let's go to uh, Maury, who's calling us from Beachwood on AM 1420 The Answer. Good morning, Maury. Uh, good morning, Bob. Um I was on hold with Hugh Hugh this morning. I was going to respond. He had a question in terms of what, why we thought there was all these mass shootings. And actually, so if I could respond to that, I, I would appreciate it. Um, this morning in, in town, uh, on townhall.com, 
Dennis Prager had a, a really nice write-up. It's called America is Drowning in the Lies About Trump. And he was talking about all the, the constant referral to him as a, as a racist, as a Nazi, as a white supremacist. And that's what uh, liberals are doing. That's what the media has been doing for quite some time. Um, they, they always focus on the, uh, any, any violence committed or anything by, by conservatives and never focus anything on, on liberals. For example, um, when Maxine Waters had a call to, to violence or when Antifa did their thing, mm-hmm. you never saw the liberal media, or for that matter, any, any Democrats, you know, condemn them at all. Yet, when, like, even like, like recently, and I'm not sure if you spoke about that or not, but I saw very little on that, uh, on the media. Uh, my son happened to, uh, text me a, a, a copy of that, where, um, a, in Manhattan, the guy was wearing a MAGA hat and was attacked by 18 individuals until his face was black and blue. The media never talks about that because, you know, that's, that's, you know, not, not, it doesn't, it doesn't suit their, their agenda. Even the mass, the, the recent mass uh, murders. Okay, so in El, pa- in El Paso, because the person supposedly had the background of being a white supremacist, I think um, you, you see Beto O'Rourke, and then even our congressman—I can't believe it—Tim uh, Ryan, just go on media and just badmouth Trump like he's the one responsible for it. Yet when the one, when the mass murder in Dayton, that was done, that was committed by supposedly a liberal. You know, Democrat, yeah, yeah a socialist, who is a supposedly who uh, supporting socialism. Elizabeth Warren, yeah. not a peep. They won't focus on any of that at all. Let me let me jump so in I, here. I blame a lot of that on the media. I, no, you're right. The, the media is criminally responsible for a lot of the division and a lot of the hate in this country. If hatred leads to these kinds of shootings, hatred and a, co- a combination of hatred, I think, and mental instability. The, the the mainstream media is responsible for so much of that hate because everything you just said is right. They cover things that they want to cover. They do. How much have you heard about what you just said? Uh, how much have you seen on CNN or MSNBC or any of the networks, the actual networks, um, about the uh, manifesto or the – it's that way he didn't write a manifesto like the El Paso guy did, but the online social media uh, political rantings of, of the shooter in Dayton. Nothing compared to what you're getting in El Paso. In El Paso, it's all about this. But yet, when the Antifa member tried to uh, uh, ignite a bomb for crying out loud at an ICE facility, I think it was in Colorado, and quoted AOC's language in his in his argument about why he was doing it, not a peep. When the Dayton shooter, as you correctly just pointed out, uh, is a huge fan of Elizabeth Warren and socialism, and he wrote that, I want socialism, I'm not going to wait for you blank, blank, blanks to get it, get it here. When this guy goes out, we don't hear squat about it. The media absolutely is complicit in some of the bias and some of the hatred and some of the anger and some of the animosity going on in this country right now. The media has fueled so much of that. I totally agree with you, Morian. I appreciate your phone call. I'm going to talk much more about that. i got a lot more people on hold. Stay where you are. I'm going to come right back to your phone calls as quickly as I can. I'm going to play more of the president's response yesterday and the left's insane reaction to the president's remarks yesterday as we continue on the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. News. Opinion. Insight. This is AM 1420. The answer. 
734 now, the Bob France Authority continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. Um, I talked about the mainstream media um, a few moments ago in response to a caller and the role they play in the divisiveness in this country, the role they play in the uh, antagonistic attitude that is being fostered against the president, the allegations of racism, allegations of white supremacy, all founded on literally nothing. It is the worst journalistic malpractice maybe in the history of journalism, what they have done to him, taking their opinions, presenting them as facts before the American people based on literally nothing except their own opinions and their own desires to smear and paint someone. And yet they call the president of the United States the divider-in-chief. They call the president of the United States a racist and a white supremacist, divider-in-chief uh, in of the country along racial lines. The president of the United States has done absolutely nothing to deserve those, those, uh, those charges, those, those smears, those slanderous statements, nothing. And yesterday, the president went out of his way to not only condemn bigotry and racism, particularly the type that was expressed in the manifesto by the El Paso shooter, but he went out of his way to try to unify the country, to bring people together. And while he is extending arms and hands to both sides of the aisle saying, we've got to come together because this, is, this has got to stop, while he is being the uniter, the left continues to call him a racist and blaming him for the murders of all of those people in El Paso and in Dayton. It cannot be allowed to continue this way. It just can't. Here's what the president tried to do yesterday. In one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry, and white supremacy. These sinister ideologies must be defeated. Hate has no place in America. Hatred warps the mind, ravages the heart, and devours the soul. No one can or should try to disagree with a word of that. We must, in a unified manner, condemn hatred, bigotry, and racism. And yes, white supremacy, where it exists, which is not in very many places in the reality of the situation, but where it is found oftentimes is in very, very violent situations like the, the situation in El Paso. But what I want to know is, are the president's opponents, the ones who consider him to be the racist, and yet the ones who won't join him in his call for unity here, are they willing to recognize racism in all of its forms? For example, a racist shooter in El Paso, Texas, killed 22 people and injured 20-some more. Uh, that is horrible for a racist to be firing guns at innocent people. We agree with that? I think we can all agree with that. What I would like to know is, did you see on CNN or on MSNBC or on NBC, ABC or CBS, the main networks, did you see on any of them the story from Cincinnati? Obviously very close to Dayton, by the way. The story of Devonte Allen an 18-year-old from Kennedy Heights outside of Cincinnati, or within Cincinnati. I don't exactly know where it is. I'm not a Cincinnati native. But I'm going to just give you the story. Devontae Adams has been arrested as the suspect who was caught on video on July 25th 
shooting at passing vehicles with a gun while yelling, I don't like white people in my hood. I want you to make sure you understood that. I don't like white people in my hood as he fired his gun at passing cars. WXIX reported that Allen, who is black, faces four charges of felonious assault for firing three gunshots at four people, three of whom were white and actually one who was, uh, who was black. The gunshots hit two vehicles, but no one was injured as a result of the shootings. Question one, did you see this on any of those networks? Did you see this racist attack with firearms? Did you see this story covered on any of those networks? Have you seen it in the New York Times or Washington Post? Of course you haven't. How is that that any more acceptable or less acceptable than the white shooter in El Paso who was a racist but known by his manifesto shooting at people there? Now you can say, well, he had a he had an AR fifteen and this guy only had a handgun, whatever. Let's just make it apples to apples here. If there's a white guy standing by and shooting at cars driven by black people, standing in his neighborhood, and shooting at cars driven by black people and screaming, I don't like black people in my hood, you think you'd see that on CNN? MSNBC, CBS? NBC, ABC, you think you would find some time there? You know doggone well it would. And you also know what the accompanying story would be. Dangerous white males, inspired by Donald Trump, shooting at black people because they hate black people in their hood. That's what the story would be. If we're going to condemn racism and violence committed in the name of hatred, we doggone well better identify and condemn it in all of its forms. We have no problem condemning the racist uh, white shooter in El Paso. We have no problem condemning the racist shooter in Charleston, Dylan Roof. We have no problem condemning any of those things. And clearly neither does the mainstream media. Why aren't they condemning Cincinnati? Why aren't they condemning a racist attack with firearms against white people? If we're ever going to come together, we better find some consistency. Condemning all hatred, all racism, all bigotry. This notion that racism can only be perpetrated by the, the race of people in power is, is hogwash. It's garbage. If you are expressing disdain, disgust, contempt, and hatred for someone else based on their race, you are being racist. Now, if you condemn somebody who happens to be of a different race, but it's not about their, their race, you're condemning them for their job performance, you're condemning them for their actions, for things that they say or do, and it has nothing to do with their skin color, that's an entirely different story. Although the left wouldn't let you think that. Donald Trump condemned Elijah Cummings' job performance in the rat-infested areas of Baltimore. Well, he's a racist because Elijah Cummings' skin is darker than his, therefore he's a racist. Elijah Cummings 
could call Donald Trump Hitler, and it's not racism at all. Hey, he's just giving his honest opinion. More from President Trump. At some point. We have asked the FBI to identify all further resources they need to investigate and disrupt hate crimes and domestic terrorism, whatever they need. We must recognize that the Internet has provided a dangerous avenue to radicalize, disturb minds, and perform demented acts. The president is asking the FBI to find out more about hate groups so that he can help unify and stop the hatred in this country. Does the left praise him for that? Does the left say, let's join hands and let's work on this together? No, they continue to divide and call him a white supremacist and accuse him of being the inspiration for hate in this country. Again, the president extends olive branches in the name of unity. In the two decades since Columbine, our nation has watched with rising horror and dread as one mass shooting has followed another over and over again, decade after decade. We cannot allow ourselves to feel powerless. We can and will stop this evil contagion. In that task, we must honor the sacred memory of those we have lost by acting as one people. Open wounds cannot heal if we are divided. We must seek real bipartisan solutions. We have to do that in a bipartisan manner that will truly make America safer and better for all. Yeah, um, I, I can't I can't state it any more clearly than that. The president says we must come together in a unified and bipartisan manner to deal with these issues. Join me and let's deal with them together. And instead, the left continues its division while calling him the divider in chief. <laughs> while calling him the divider in chief, they continue to resist and rebuff his efforts at political and cultural unity. Kenny in LaGrange Township on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Ken. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Bob. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm a life member of the NRA. I have access to a lot of information through their website, through their magazines. But I found last night on the uh, website of the Chicago Tribune some fascinating figures. Uh, since in the last 60 years in the city of Chicago, there have been 39,000 homicides. The average is around 400 a month, or 400 a year, excuse me. And that's at the low end. And I'm not, uh, believe me, I'm not trying to minimize. I, th- I think we should clarify that. Hold on a second, Ken. Um, you mean you mean 36,000 shootings, not actual homicides no, resulting no, in 30, death? No, no, 39,000 homicides. In six years? That would be... That would 60, be... No, 60 years. 60 oh, years. 60 years. I'm sorry, I didn't years. hear you correctly. I was going to say yeah. because I kind of track these things too. Yeah. And there, there are, you know, every, in any given weekend, there's between 20 and 40 or 50 shootings that result right. in usually five or six deaths. So I, I'm sorry, I misunderstood you. Please. Continue. Yeah, they have they have all kinds of graphs on their on their website, and believe me, uh, I say this from the heart. I'm I'm not trying to minimize the loss of the 31 people in El Paso and Dayton. Mm-hmm. But in the city of Chicago, 31 murders is a slow month. 
Yes, you're right. It is, and and the point, the larger point here about that is what, Ken? Well, I I listen to these liberal Twinkies that are all running for president, and they all come out and they they pontificate about how nobody's doing anything, and they 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 put forth all these phony gun control pieces of legislation that will do absolutely nothing. The red flag laws won't do anything either. The red flag laws are going to turn into a, a, what we call a snitch law. You you mentioned it earlier in your broadcast. Yes. You know, one yes. neighbor gets upset with another neighbor, and they they go back and forth. Pretty soon, the police call, uh, police department gets two calls, and they're just going to go confiscate the guns in order to prevent a tragedy. Uh, the red flag laws will do nothing, just like expanded background checks will do nothing. Uh, uh, my favorite one, my favorite gun gun control proposal is the one month uh, one gun purchase a month I turned 18 in 1964 had I had the resources to purchase one gun a month since 1964 I would have an arsenal of over 660 firearms all legally purchased at what point does the one purchase a month prevent the commission of a crime that's how phony these people are on the left, and they're all coming out. They're all saying they're all saying the same thing. They're all just pandering to the voters, and they all know these pieces of gun control legislation will do absolutely nothing to stop the commission of a crime. Nothing. They have no solutions. No, they don't. Uh, they don't. Um, let me ask you this about the red flag laws, um, because I agree with you. Um, about the abuse of them, obviously, and how uh, it's going to it's going to impact law abiding people uh, just by somebody who's got an axe to grind, or even a married couple. You know, a married couple might get into an argument, a fight over something stupid, and the woman might, you know, in an act of vengeance or whatever, or, may, or the man. I shouldn't put this on the woman. I'm just picturing the man being the the gun owner, but calling calling it in and saying my husband threatened to kill me. That's all else she has to say. Well, now, well, now we got a serious threat here, and he is a fi- he is a firearms owner. She says, "My husband threatened to kill me, and he's got guns." Here come the police. No, do- no due process whatsoever. We're taking those guns, and that's a very, very serious problem, or potentially very serious problem. So, my question to you, Ken, is: While I agree with you, um, uh, in principle. Uh, I don't know that they would do no good. I think they could do some good in keeping the guns out of the hands of the people who should not have them, the dangerously insane or uh, psychologically disturbed. But the problem is it's also going to uh, implicate innocent people who are law-abiding who are caught up in this mess. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes. A lot of people are going to get uh, pulled into that dragnet. If you, yeah. And, and it, uh, this brings up another uh, another tangent, so to speak. When you When you talk about the mental health, of 200 million people, how do you adjudicate that mental health? Who's going who's gonna to fill out those questionnaires? Who's going to make up the questions for the questionnaire? If you, if you have a questionnaire of, say, 25 questions, and you're sitting in front of a board of 10 people, and they're adjudicating your mental health in order to purchase a firearm, and you answer one question wrong, right? you're, you're done. You're not going to be able to purchase a gun. You know, it, it, it sounds good on paper, but how do you enforce it? How do you even put it into place? You know, can you imagine the size of the bureaucracy of adjudicating the mental health of 200 million people? I had, I had just a, another short story. Going back to Tri-C in the 70s, I had a sociology instructor, and he said at that point, and this was 1970, 71, 
he said, everybody has a mental illness. Whether you're afraid of spiders, you're afraid of the dark, you're, you have a fear of heights, you have a fear of being in the open, you have a fear of being enclosed up, those are all considered mental illnesses to, uh, to a certain degree. So when you're talking about the mental health, which goes in conjunction with the red flag laws, how do you do this? Right. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a, there, that's the that's the thing, and they have no answer for it. But right now, they don't need an answer because the shootings just happen. Emotions right. are raw, uh, feelings right. are fresh, anger right. is 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 huge, and the rage uh, the rage machine is in overdrive. And that's so we right. don't need to figure those things out. We just need what do we have? We had people standing outside of uh, Mike Dewine's uh, uh, speech or, pres- or or comments the other night, screaming, "Do something! Do something!" There's a headline in a local newspaper, in Lorain County. You probably get the the op-ed today is, is "Do something about guns." Right. It's do something, whether that something is harmful to people or if it's even reasonable or feasible to carry out, is irrelevant. We have to do something because that's where we are. Okay, thank you, Bob. Ken, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Very, very good stuff. 951. More of your calls right after this on AM 1420 The Answer. All right, 957, short segment here on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's get a couple of more phone calls in. We'll go to Tabitha calling us from Beechwood. Uh, you're on the Bob France Authority. Tabitha, good morning. Go right ahead. Yes, good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call, and I'm sorry we got disconnected yesterday. No um, I'm listening to all of this, and I really believe that the kids and the media are influenced by the schools they attended. The key words they're using now in schools are diversity, equity, and inclusion, but their definitions have changed. Diversity used to refer to the learning experiences and opinions and opportunities, but now it applies to the students themselves. Gender, sexual orientation, ethnicity, race, disabilities, and they remove the pride of America and our history from the classroom. They're learning that men, particularly white men, are worthless, that boys can be girls, that young children can indulge in sex, and that babies are dispensable. So they're ruining the young men who have two roles, to defend our country in case of invasion and who will father the next generation. And they're being picked on desperately. Equity is used to mean equal opportunities, and it was based on abilities. Now they can't accept the best and the brightest, but superficial categories like skin or ethnicity, which causes less success and a greater dropout rate. Inclusion is now based on identity, not achievement. Harvard has been limiting the number of Asian American applicants because of quota, despite their exceptional achievements in many fields. So meritocracy is out the window. To further the divisiveness, many schools have a bias hotline now where kids can report any speech or conduct that doesn't suit them. That's curbing their freedom of speech, and I'm convinced that they're going to social media to air their grievances. And by the way, the professional counselors that run the hotlines in the schools are very well paid. One of them I read was $375,000 per year, and that increases the tuition. So we saw these dangers coming. We learned that schools were discouraging best friends and interaction with other kids, keeping them on computers most of the day, every day. 
We know that Common Core brought them difficult math and uninspiring reading. The kids know less. They're less informed. And since some schools have done away with grades, they're less sure of themselves. They can't equate what they've achieved. They can't hold a decent job. And they don't qualify for the higher wage, which I think is why the Democrat Party is fighting to get them an hourly increase. Well, and if that you know doesn't what? depress you. Yeah. And, and, and you know what it does to me? It, it, it reminds me of the agenda that President Obama started back in 2007 when he ran for president. And then in 2008, when he was elected president, he said, I'm going to fundamentally transform America. He right. may no longer be in office, but the wheels that he and his administration and his supporters have set in motion, particularly as it pertains to education, thus indoctrination, are doing exactly that. Everything you just said, Tabitha, put that on a, on a five to ten year plan going forward, pushing and expanding on all of the things you just said, and let's see if we even recognize this country in the year 2030. I don't think it would even be recognizable if we don't put a stop to it now. Tabitha, thank you. Uh, absolutely brilliant phone call. It's 10 o'clock. That means time for news. Back after this. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.